Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Greetings, everyone. Good morning. It is the Sebi Podcast radio show with myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray, from the DMV area. And he's back in the DMV area, back in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area is Michael Gray himself. It's always a pleasure to have you back on, my man. Uh, how, how you how you feeling today? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Uh, just coming off that NABJ conference I went to in Miami. Um, I'm, I'm feeling real good. Just uh, just getting just getting over this minor cold, but I'm doing good. Yes, yes, that's right. The the flu bug, the injury bug, always getting us at this time of the year. Yep. Uh, yes, that's right. You came back from uh, the NHABJ conference. How was that? Talk to us about that. I mean, we, I, I already know you met some some prominent guys out there, um, but uh, talk to us about that and some of the collaborations that you had made out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was amazing. I went to the NABJ conference. It stands for the National Association of Black Journalists. And really what it is, is a bunch of uh, media professionals and whether it's in sports or, you know, uh, authors or any type of media uh, perspective, all, all people coming out there, connected with one another. It's a good networking piece. It's like one big family coming together and, you know, just giving each other advice on resumes, reels. I got to go to ESPN and CBS Sports, Fox Sports, Turner Sports. You know, all these other other sports networks and they were um giving me good tips on my reel. I got to when I went to ESPN I got to talk to guys like Jonathan Vilma and he gave me very good uh very good advice on my um on my pod, on the podcast and um and on my resume and my reel and, and the things I should look for in the future and, and and giving me just the strong advice. I got to meet with Chris Broussard, Rob Parker, and I actually got a chance to debate uh the great Joy Taylor for a minute about the Houston Rockets upcoming season. And it was, it was dope. It was a great experience. And, you know, I, I can't wait to do it next year. Next year is going to be right here in my hometown, DC. Definitely there. I hope to join you there on this one. In other words, Michael Gray had a chance to uh, hang out with all of the stars, you know, Grant Hill and Joy yep. Taylor going back and forth with her. That was a uh, pretty unique. And, and also Chris Busad and Rob Parker, who, Oh, for some reason, always hating on my man, Tom Brady. So uh, uh, not so happy about that. But <laughs> nevertheless, that was great there as well. Michael Gray, um, one could say that I have the best uh, co-host out there, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just working, man. We just grinding. Yeah, we're we working to get to the t- Definitely there. Definitely there. We are indeed as well here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show here inside of our studios of Demi and SC and Mike. Um, another fun-filled pack action week this past week. So we'll go ahead and start off with the preseason here. It's first week is in the book. Um, and uh, a lot of debuts for a lot of these QBs, uh, these rookies, um, a lot of players looking to make the team, um, a lot of cuts. So definitely – a big time if you're really trying to make a statement to be on the team. Any players or any athletes that stood out to you? Yes, I have a few. I have a few athletes that stood out to me this weekend. One, I'm going to start with Josh Rosen. I know he wasn't a rookie. You know, he coming from to a new team from Arizona, and uh, he he made a uh, he made a big splash in his first debut debut game. I know it's preseason, but against the Atlanta Falcons with the Miami Dolphins, uh, he went 13 for 20, 191 yards. He did throw an interception. But he made very – he seemed very poised. He seemed very calm and collective, and he made the right reads. He seemed like a veteran quarterback, and I feel like the year with Arizona really helped him with experience, and he really learned from it. And he's taking – he's using all the uh, criticism that he's taking coming to Miami as motivation. And he had a very good uh, first first preseason game. Uh, he, 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 he looked like he really – he got uh, uh, these guys involved. He got the running game involved. Um, it just—it just looked. He looked very comfortable in this Miami offense, and I really only see him get continuing to get better as as time weighs on, and he continues to to to, to learn this system and, and master it. Another player I want to give big time credit to that that showed out and surprised me was Jimmy Moreland for the Washington Redskins, the corner number twenty five. Um, Sebi, I don't know if you watched the game against the Cleveland Browns, but he had one stretch uh, on their second drive after they gave up a touchdown. 
where on the goal line at the one yard line, on first down, pass deflection, incomplete pass. Second down, pass deflection, incomplete pass. And on third down, <clears throat> he stopped. He stopped the run and forced the fumble. And then, and then, like he he doesn't give up. He made plays throughout that entire game. Where later on in the game he got beat. Uh, the dude is getting ready to run it for a touchdown, and he. He just keeps fighting. He punches at that ball and forces another fumble. This Jimmy Moore. <laughs> In other words, he made the team, Mike. <laughs> oh, I, I feel. I feel like just off this one game, he possibly had made the team because he was he was special. He was sensational, and he just he showed that never give up mentality. And it was it was great to see from from the, from the Redskins because they have a chance to be a top defense in this league this year if they can stay healthy. That's how good they are on that side of the ball. But Jimmy Moreland had a great first game against the Cleveland Browns. Another player I want to give big time credit to was linebacker Devin Bush for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh he my lord! Had an an amazing. I I I think I, I think ten tackles. He had ten tackles, Seppy. Uh, and his opposite, uh, the linebacker that was taken before him, Devin White, only had one tackle. But Devin Bush, when you watched him, when you watched him play, it just seemed like he was a veteran linebacker out there. He reminded you of Ryan Sejir. I mean, he was physical. He, he was he was attacking. Uh, uh, the guards that were coming after him, he was attacking the fullbacks that wanted to come down on him. He just filled the line of scrimmage and made plays. He had 10 tackles, but he made about 15 to 20 plays where you could say, wow, he made that play. And it was special to watch him play and do that and do that because, you know, coming in, we we heard a lot about Devin Bush, but we really didn't know if he was going to take that next step. Could he be the next Ryan, the next uh, best linebacker coming out of Pittsburgh? Could, could, could he be the, the missing piece that this defense needs to take them over the hump this year? And so far, he looks like he's mature. He looks poised. He looks like the best athlete on the field when he's out there. And he, he put on a show against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, um, this past Saturday. And it was a joy to watch. And I really think the sky's the limit for this guy. He could be one of the best linebackers to ever come out of Pittsburgh. He's that good. Well, let, let me start off there, Mike. I mean, Devin Bush, he did not disappoint. I mean, I got a chance to watch him play high school ball here in uh, down south here in South Florida. And then, of course, early on in his Michigan days for Jim Harbaugh, highly recruited, big-time talent out here from the Florida area. And this guy did not disappoint. I mean, you he looked like an NFL prospect. Yes. He looked like an NFL linebacker. I mean, this guy was flying all over the field. And, and you're right, Mike. You, you looked at him and you thought it was a mirror of Ryan Shazier because a lot of things that he does is, is what Ryan Shazier does. You know, flying around the field, making tackles, being the vocal leader of the team, even though he, he's probably not the vocal leader yet. But you saw him, you know, screaming and, and, and yelling and putting the enthusiasm back into the football rich football dynasty of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, you think about some of the greatest linebackers at that position. You got Shazier. Uh, you want to go back a little bit further. Uh, your man, um, Lamar Woodley, uh, Lawrence Timmons, and others. I mean, this guy has a chance to be amongst the greats and the elites right off the bat. And, and it was just incredible to see him flying around the field against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, there, what, there isn't nothing he could do. He, he guarded tight ends. They put him in space against running backs. And in a league now where running backs and linebackers and teams find a, look to find mismatches, you see Devin Bush holding his own in space as a tackling machine. Yep. And he looked like a vacuum out there, Mike. I mean, the, the guy was just unbelievable and definitely stood out to me. Um, another guy that stood out to me, I'm going to go with your homegrown team. I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. Mm. Um, Daniel Jones, there was a lot of scrutiny of him. Why did the Giants pick him up number six overall? You know, why'd they pass up on Haskins? Well, maybe the Daniel Jones era might be quicker than usual, Mike. I mean, if, if I expect if Eli Manning doesn't have a great performance out of the gate throughout the first four weeks, we could see the Daniel Jones era begin in New York sooner rather than later he started in that drive five for five 67 yards and a touchdown the the one throw that really caught my eye mike was the one where he he, he had the guy going towards the end zone on the back corner in a tight window and he fitted in there for that touchdown the other four throws um were really over the middle they were playing cover two and cover three come regular time when you're playing against like real teams and real number ones 
they're going to tighten up the defense. They're probably going to pressure him a little bit more and blitz him as a young quarterback. So I don't really look too much into, you know, make him making throws and cover two coverages, cover three coverages, because I know when the game gets tight, they're going to tighten up the screws and send heat to him. But the one throw that really stood out to me was in the back of that end zone. And I'm like, man, that's a throw that maybe Eli Manning in his prime could do. But I'm not sure if he can do that right now with a weak offensive line. Everybody's been talking about that offensive line. Well, Daniel Jones happened to be playing with that same exact offensive line, and he looked really good and really polished. And so he stood stood out to me a little bit as well. And another thing I'm going to bring out to you, Mike, this is going to be pretty interesting. And um, if you want to go ahead and uh, quote me on this, August 14, 2019, me saying this is one of those – Big, bold predictions here. I saw your Redskins against the Browns in that first game. And Baker Mayfield in that first drive, come on now. I mean, it's surgical. Surgical, Mike. I mean, we were trying to figure out how did this Browns team put it all together that fast in just one drive. I know it's one drive. It's a small sample size. But, man, they look good. They look really good. I mean, they started at their own 15, an 85-yard drive. They just put that thing all together. I, and it wasn't like they're getting big chunk of yards. They were getting first downs, 12 yards, 10 yards, you know, moving the chains methodically. And I was just like, but they put this thing real quick. And then, of course, I saw that game and, and, and how the Browns came out offensively and really looking like the juggernaut offense that I think they're going to be this year. And then on Saturday, right after that, Two, two days after that, I see Patrick Mahomes and what he did. Patrick Mahomes in that first drive. First pass to Travis Kelsey. Then another drive to Moyaki, another tight end that they picked up. And then boom. Whoa. This Chiefs offense is right back where it left off in the AFC title game. And so you know what it got me, Mike? And I'm about to say this now. The best quarterback duo back in the early 2000s were Manning and Brady, right? I am going to say this now. I think in our era, moving on forward, Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes are going to be the Tom Brady and the Peyton Manning of this era. Uh, Just the way that these guys, I, I mean, Baker Mayfield's only 21. Patrick Mahomes, 50 touchdowns at the age of 23. I mean, what he did last year. These guys are going to light up the numbers for the next decade. I think when they meet in class, it's going to be one of those class of the Titans because you knew, Mike, when Brady and Manning played and they were going to class together, it was much watched. Oh, for sure. Some of the great games you think about, a 21-point lead that the Colts came back in 06 to, you know, go to the Super Bowl and – Tony Dungy being the first black African-American coach to win the Super Bowl. Some of the others uh, back in the days, Ty Law picking off Peyton Manning three times. I think when when it push comes to stuff in the next decade, we're looking at who's going to be the next Peyton and Brady when they collide together. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say Baker and Mahomes to me right now, and their two full seasons to me from what I've watched thus far is going to be that. Uh, your thoughts on that? That's that, that's a that, that's a very good point, and it's, and it's it's not very far fetched. I mean, when you look at these two young guys, like you say, Baker's twenty one, Mahomes is only twenty three. So you like they're both young, and they're both close in age, and they're both very good at what they do at, at playing the quarterback position. And they're only going to get better with time. And the more recognition they get, the more wins they pile up in their career, and and the better they be, the better they become, and the better they they do on their resume. Then that, that you're right. That's only gonna you know, spark the NFL to make sure that these two go against each other every year, just like they did for Tom, uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady every single season. It was just, you're right, it was must-watch TV, and it had to happen on the schedule every season. So you're absolutely right. They have they have a chance to make that happen, both with Cleveland and Kansas City. And th- these are two young studs, and they, you're right, they both they both played very well in their first preseason game. And I'm glad you brought up um, Baker Mayfield because you're right. I mean, it was like a two-minute drill. When he, when he went down the field, Against the Redskins that first draft, no Odell, no Jarvis, no Njoku. Just went right down the field and then made things happen and threw that touchdown to Callaway. It, it was like clockwork. And um, Baker looks like he's more comfortable in the offense. He, he seems so free. 
and confident, and you're absolutely right. This could be the next big rivalry, and what a and Seppi, what a show it would be if it is because it would these, be a it would these be guys, a great one. Must watch TV, Mike. Right, these guys, <laughs> these, I mean, those guys can light up the numbers fast, man. Already, already in their career, they can do that, and, and the only time will get these guys better. And I'm glad, I'm glad you brought those guys up. Another player I want to, I want to give a shout out to that that actually stood out and played very well was Debo Samuel for the 49ers. Right. He played very well as well. He um made big time plays. You know, the San Francisco 49ers are a sleeper team for me because. They, Jimmy G is healthy this year. They added Nick Bosa to that defensive line, and the defense was very aggressive, very aggressive in that game. And uh, I really feel like they could take that next step. And adding, if you add Debo Samuel to that with those weapons for Jimmy G, I, I think that San Francisco can really make some noise and surprise some teams out there. But Debo Samuel definitely stepped up and had a had a big time game for San Francisco. Definitely there. And, Mike, that's why I had them picking the NFC West. People thought I was going crazy. I mean, I know the Los Angeles Rams are the reigning defending NFC title champions, and they have Aaron Donald and guys like Brockers. And now they picked up Clay Matthews, longtime uh, Green Bay Packers uh, defensive line. But when you look at that division, I think that the 49ers have the best talented defensive line in that division. You yep. got Nick Bosa to go along with Solomon Thomas yep. and then DeForest Buckner yep. and, and others like that. All of those talents are were top five talents that they picked up. Now it's time for those prospects to breed into elite talent. And I think this is the year that they put it all together and they could really make some noise. You brought up the point about Sanders and Jimmy G being healthy as well. So San Francisco, definitely a fun team to watch out for this season. Any guys that was dust, anybody that didn't stand out to you, Mike? Uh, uh, one one that stands out to me was uh, a, a, a name that I really liked a lot, and that was Greedy Williams in that Browns game, of course. Um, I, I believe it was early on in the game where Case Keenum on a third and 16, or it was a third and long, and I guess it was just a busted coverage, a blown coverage. I think uh, Greedy thought that he had safety help, um, the guy just goes fly route right past him and catches him. And so, uh, you know what they say, when you're greedy, sometimes it can lead into mischief. And I think that's what happened there <laughs> for Greedy Williams. Uh, I, a lot of expectations for him to pair up with the great Denzel Ward, the great man out of Ohio State that he is fourth overall pick last year with Baker Mayfield to be that shutdown corner on the opposite side for the Browns if they really want to be successful this season. So that's one guy that stood out to me. A anybody else to you? Um, stood out. I would, I would give that, I would give that to, um, to, uh, to Jameis, to Jameis Winston. Um, Jameis, Jameis looked, he looked okay in his, in his first precinct game, but um, he could have, he could have made a little bit more noise. Um, uh, he looked good at the first drive and he made, he made a couple plays, but through all in all, like I said, that still his defense looked like they made plays. And I also, I'm gonna have to go with Dwayne Haskins. Um, no, I was just gonna Dwayne, say that, Mike. Dwayne Dwayne had some big plays. Yeah, he, he made some nice plays, but he also made some uh, with those two interceptions. He made some plays. He threw one that second interception. He threw off his back back foot. Uh, the first interception, he lofted it when the the linebacker was running stride for stride with the running back, and it, it resulted in a pick six for Mac Wilson. But um, I, I I don't think he had the worst game he could have had. But the, those two plays really stood out the most because. They resulted in one resulted in a touchdown, and the other one you were you were heading in scoring position, and then you throw a pick off your back foot. So it's just, it's a learning process for Dwayne Haskins. I think he made some nice plays, and I think he he's going to improve from it. But uh, Dwayne Haskins definitely, with those two interceptions, um, that definitely stood out as somebody that has has a few things to work on. Definitely there. He's going to find out quick that this isn't Ohio State anymore. <laughs> Fifty touchdowns and eight interceptions, breaking Drew Brees. Uh, Big Ten records, all Big Ten records, freshmen and all. He's going to learn that so fast that you're in the NFL anymore. You can't be throwing off your back foot. And you have to be able to read defenses because these DBs nowadays will manipulate you. And that's what happens. So he's got a learning curve to do there. We'll see how he does in his second preseason game there. What about the number one overall pick, Kyler Murray? He went six for seven, 44 yards in one drive um, for the Arizona Cardinals. A lot has been said that he's next in line he's got the talent he's got the arm some people say that he's more electrifying than michael vick with his legs i say no i say lamar jackson is yeah. but 
you know, everybody, everybody has their circulations on that. Right. So Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals expectations for them this season. And what did you see in that first, that first game? Uh, expectations. I don't expect them to be that, be that good this season. I expect them to win probably six or seven games this year, uh, the, the, which isn't bad because it's a, it's, it's a semi improvement from last year, but I feel like, they, I feel like they will be more exciting because Kyler Murray was, uh, Already in his first preseason game, I was impressed. You know, he already showed the defensive lines are going to have a tough time trying to get him down because he just he's so elusive in the backfield and he knows how to get out of the pocket. Um, and, and when you're doing that in the NFL, one of the things he has to work on, and I know he'll improve on this and continue to get better at, is throwing on the run and being more accurate on the run because he's going to have plenty of chances and plenty of opportunities where he's scrambling out of the backfield and making exciting plays and getting away from defenders. And he's going to have to make that accurate throw on the run. And I know he'll get better at it, and um, he's going to improve. This season is like a, a learning curve, and, a, and a, a, it will be a learning tool for Kyler Murray and these young Arizona Cardinals because he's special. He's one of those guys that's a leader. You know, he's one of those guys that uh, when he talks, you listen, and he he knows how to galvanize the troops and make sure that everybody's on the same page and, and in the huddle. I know he has those guys. Those guys are ready to go to war with him, and you know he he looked very impressive in his first game. And I just I just know that. At the end of the day, he's going to work on, you know, just running, throwing on the run and uh, and becoming more accurate. But uh, he looked very impressive. Right. He did, Mike. And I'm going to agree with you on this. I, six or seven wins isn't far-fetched for the Arizona Cardinals. They've got some talent. In yeah. fact, Mike, um, when we were making our predictions uh, for the NFL awards, we forgot player of the year. And, and my comeback player of the year is actually David Johnson. Oh, People okay. tend to forget how, uh, how great this guy is. I mean, a couple of years ago, I think he – was short of Walter Payton's all-purpose scrimmage yards record. I mean, this guy, he could do it all. You could put him in the X, put him in the Y, line him up against linebackers or, or DBs. We know what he could do inside, uh, running through the tackles. And then, of course, um, uh, you know, picking up blitzes, you know, in pass protection. And so David Johnson in – and you have to think the pairing with him in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, how – unique that he was in Texas Tech. You got to think that with a running back like that, he's just going to make him a spectacular weapon, especially with Kyler Murray. And so I'm picking David Johnson for my comeback. Lately. He's going to have a big year. Kyler Murray's going to utilize him a lot. Cliff Kingsbury's going to put him in creative ways to use his unique skill set in space. And you've got Larry Fitzgerald, yep. you know, the legend himself. You got Christian Kirk as well. And like I mentioned with David Johnson, so there's some weapons and there's some talent in this Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals team. And so why can't they they win six or seven games? And so, uh, like I said, this is going to be a trial and error year for the Arizona Cardinals. But, Mike, I think they could really, you know, surprise some teams in any given Sunday. I agree. I agree. I, I, I feel like it's going to be some teams in, on that schedule that they beat that they have no business beating. But um, that's because they came in prepared and Kyler Murray puts on a show. And you're absolutely right. This Arizona Cardinals team in the future can be very – right now they're, they're going through that learning curve where they might be in a lot of games, but it's going, but they're still learning how to close. And, and that, that, that might be their downfall for right now. But you're absolutely right. In the, in the near future, in the next three to four years, this Arizona Cardinals team could be a team we're talking about as in playoff contention and possibly a, a contention for the Super Bowl. Definitely there, the Arizona Cardinals in a very, very tough NFC West. But the future holds bright for Cliff Kingsbury and the Kyler Murray era there for the Arizona Cardinals as well. But when we come back, Mike, we'll switch gears and go to the NBA. The release date for all the schedules have come out. Now we know all the marquee matchups. Now we know all the returns for the superstars. Back to their old teams. All the parody <laughs> should begin. And we're, I, I know, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm ready for an NBA season. Come on, come on now. Come on now. Let's get, <laughs> let's get. Hi, I'm Fanny. I'm Cecilia. I'm Joanna. And I'm Alwyn Jr. And we are Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And we would love to give a special thanks to SEBI Podcast Crew for keeping us up to date with everything sports during this busy tax season. Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If so, reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs, and be sure to let us know that SEBI Podcast sent you. Thank you.
Michael Gray and Sebi inside the studios of WNSC, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming live here on WNSC Radio as well. Our second and last segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by RDV Sportsplex. That's right, RDV Sportsplex with a square unit of acres. It is by far the largest sports complex in Central Florida, hands down, and it's really not even close. You've got it all from tennis rackets to tennis courts to curling to ice hockey to fitness gyms to basketball. You name it, RDV Sportsplex has got it. If you're in the market trying to get a gym membership, tell them Sebi from the Sebi Podcast Radio Show sent you. And Mike, here on the NBA schedule, this has to be one of the more highly anticipated upcoming seasons in the NBA. No, fresh new faces and a lot of teams. Fresh new faces. Uh, and people are going to be like, he's there now? Oh, wait. That guy is there. If you're an NBA fan, if you haven't been watching basketball for a very long time, you tune in to next year, you've got something <laughs> coming for you. Because there's a lot of stars in fresh New Jersey's next year. And Mike, the schedule came out to you. Any marquee matchups that stands up to you right off the bat? The start of the season. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to see that. And also the Christmas Day matchup. Um, Houston versus Golden State. Boston versus Philly uh, to start off the season. I'm intrigued to see that because those could possibly be the two top teams in the Eastern Conference this year with the, with the, with the talent that they have. And it, it could possibly be an Eastern Conference Finals matchup, uh, matchup this year. This upcoming season, so if we we get a preview of that to see to see those two top top teams go at it, and also you know me, you know how much I love me some Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Nets, going back to Boston to play the Boston Celtics on the and Mike hint 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 Mike on November twenty seventh that is and that's that's your man's birthday yes yes <laughs> indeed and, and absolutely I can't wait to see that matchup and I have a feeling Kyrie is gonna put on a show. And, uh, you know, he's motivated. He's one of those guys that he doesn't need much motivation to, to go out there and dominate. And on a day like that, I know he's already got that circled on his calendar. He's going to he's gonna do his thing. I expect Kimber Walker to do his thing as well. And I expect him to duel and duel it out and may the best man wins. Uh, you know, def- definitely. Um, uh, Boston Boston versus Toronto for Christmas. I, li- I like seeing that. The Rockets versus Golden State, of course. This Golden State team, I'm, I'm not writing them off. I think they're really going to be a good team this year. And I think going against Houston on Christmas is very good. And uh, the, the, those are some of the few games that stood out to me. Definitely there. Um, the, for, for sure. And I looked at the schedule and I saw November 27th, and that was pretty prominent for me because the listeners don't know, but that's that's when the young king was born. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, that day you've got uh, Anthony Davis going back to the Smoothie King Center where he all started off his career against Zion Williamson. Now, we're expecting uh, this, you know, this uh, Pelicans team to be very, very good in their first season. Uh, potentially one of those teams outside looking in to make the playoffs or even making the playoffs as a low seed. And so that matchup early on November may be a potential first round matchup, Mike. So uh, Anthony Davis going back to where he came from uh, with Zion Williamson, that has to be a show. LeBron James in the building. Uh, on my birthday as well, I'm going to be tuned in. And then on the same day as well, Kyrie Irving, my team as well. You know he's going to get booed in the garden. You know he's going to put on a show. We're going to see if the Celtics can withstand that way. And and that's always supposed to be a show there as well because Boston market teams and New York market teams just really hate each other. So that's another marquee matchup there. You're right, Mike. We shouldn't overlook this Golden State team. They're not as healthy as they were last year. They're probably going to get Klay Thompson later on in the season, maybe around March and April. So the arrival of D'Angelo Russell is there to alleviate some of the pressure off of Steph Curry. He does. He can't do what Klay Thompson does, especially on the defensive end. But as an, as a scoring punch, he can put up at least 20, 20 and maybe 20 plus. And so we shouldn't write off this Golden State team. Christmas Day, they're going off against the newly look Houston Rockets with Russell Westbrook and they still have their core nucleus intact. And then, of course, the, the Clippers and the Lakers. Yep. You know, the, the Battle of Los Angeles. That's what I, I think the landscape of NBA fans are excited to watch. 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard joining alliances to go against Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Two great teams, one building, one arena at the Staples Center. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> what, what, do you th- what do you think is the over-under, Mike, of all the paparazzis and the cameras are going to be in that game? Oh, my goodness. I, don't think, I, don't, I think they broke the scale of the over-under. Man. <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous, man. That that. Every time they match up in the regular season, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be a show. It's gonna be on that. It should be. I'm surprised if it wouldn't be on national television. It's gonna, it's gonna be must see TV every single time. And I, I already know the NBA. The NBA knows this that if they can have it their way, this is a Western Conference Finals preview. They, they want these two teams to be in the Western Conference Finals because it's must see TV and it's got so many stars going against each other. That is that is it's gonna generate a lot for the NBA and it's gonna be a great show. It's gotta be a seven game series and may the best team win. Yeah, and in a market like Los Angeles, I mean, there's no other better market than having those two teams Come on, be great at the same time now. Mike, a- a- any of the like the low key something that we're not talking about that's a great matchup. One that stands out to me is uh the Utah Jazz. I'm really big on them this year. Uh Mike Conley returning back to the grindhouse uh, in Memphis. Yep. So and, and near MLK MLK Day. Yep. That's that's a big one. The Utah Jazz has a lot of expectations. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley ready to mentor young Donovan Mitchell. They've got Bogdanovich. They're deeper now. They finally got some offensive weapons. They've been great elite defensively for years now, but now they've got that offensive punch. So Utah is definitely a team to watch on the Western Conference radar. And the Denver Nuggets as well. They're playing on Christmas Day with against Zion Williamson. Denver, uh, I think this is their first Christmas Day in quite some time. The the Toronto Raptors, their first ever national uh, national uh, national televised game on a Christmas Day as the reigning champions against the Boston Celtics. So some of those low key matchups that stand out to me. Anything else to you? Yes, there's a few that stand out to me as well. Um, the uh, Houston Rockets going back to Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook coming back. I mean, is is this when he's the last of the big three that got the lead? You know, he he was the focal point of that franchise for quite some time. Even when Kevin Durant left, you know, he was holding them down with the triple doubles and things of that nature. And uh, I know it's going to be an emotional day for him because he loves Oklahoma City. He always he'll always have love for Oklahoma City. And uh, you know, it was just time to move on and. You know, I know, you know, Russell Westbrook is one of those guys that comes hard and gives it his all from start to finish every single game, from preseason all the way to the playoffs. And I know for that game, he's going to be extra motivated, and I expect him to put on a show. Another game I'm looking forward to, like like, like you said, you took one of mine. You took the Utah Jazz at the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that's going to be a top game as well because the Memphis Grizzlies are, they have a lot of young young talent over there. And uh, Utah Jazz, we know how lethal they can be. They could be one of the top teams in the West. So that battle right there, going back and forth with each other, is said is said to be special as well. And I think that NBA Mexico City game between the Phoenix Suns and the San Antonio Spurs can be very special too, because the Phoenix Suns are can be an exciting basketball team this year with Ricky Rubio at the point guard, and we all know how special Devin Booker is. And um, going against the San Antonio, San Antonio team, veteran San Antonio team. Um, you can never ride them off. Mark. Never. Every single year, they're in the mix somehow, some way. And uh, I expect them to be back in the playoff mix this year. And I expect them to make some noise. But I look for that game to be very special out there in Mexico because of the rise of both of those two teams. And uh, also the, the Clippers with the, going back to Oklahoma City. You got Paul George going back to Oklahoma City. I expect him uh, to, to, uh, to put on a show in front of the fans of Chris Paul. I expect him to put on the show going against his former team as well. So th- those are a few games that stood out to me. Right, that's right. The, the familiarity with Chris Paul in the Clippers and also Paul George, first time going back to Oklahoma City where he was finished third in MVP <clears throat> honors last season. But, yeah, Mike, I actually forgot about that in Mexico City game with the Spurs and, and the, the, the Suns. This is a – rivalry that dates back to the early days of Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire and then you had Tony Parker Duncan remember that game when when Steve Nash broke his nose and still played oh yeah you know this these these two teams hate each other oh yeah and, and that rivalry between when D'Antoni was there of course yep. and Popovich it's it's not quite the same because the Suns haven't been the powerhouse in the Western Conference as usual but it is special because 
now it's at a neutral site venue. It's it wanted, I think the NBA as a global sport that it is looking to branch out to countries like Mexico, their, their camps that they have in Africa, some of the camps that they have in Europe. And so basketball isn't just a sport here in the U.S. It's a global sport with the FIBA World Championships this year and then the Olympics next year with a lot of world talent and some of these NBA stars playing for their country. We can never tend to forget how big the sport of basketball is globally and playing a game in Mexico City in high altitude on top of their mountains. Definitely going to test their endurance, but also a, a great standard for the National Basketball Association, Mike. Um, so from the NBA, we're going to switch switch gears to the college game where news came earlier on last week that the Rich Paul rule is what they want to call it is all of a sudden, Mike, you know, what do you make of this? I, 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 I can't understand it. You know, explain to me about this. When I first heard the rule, I was, I, think, I believe I was in Miami or getting ready to head to Miami. And, um, it was, I was, I was shocked. I was like, yo, this, this makes no sense. They have to be talking to Rich Paul because when you look at all the other agents out there, majority of them do have college college degrees. And what's the one prominent agent out here, the one, the, one of the biggest agents in the NBA that's doing his thing that doesn't have a, a, a college degree? Rich Paul. So it seemed like it was catered towards him. And um, I, I thought it was... I thought it was ridiculous. I thought I, I, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous because, like like Rich Paul said in his op-ed, you're taking away the opportunity from people that don't have the you're taking away that opportunity from people and uh, and young kids out there that aren't afforded the same opportunity to go to college and, and get a bachelor's degree and things of that nature. So I, I thought it was senseless. I thought you know when it comes to player empowerment nowadays, players have more power and are starting to realize their power now nowadays and. If they want to choose somebody that doesn't have a bachelor's degree but is very educated and understands the game and understands what it takes to be an agent, and they want to choose that choose that person as as um as their representative, then I don't see the problem with that. You know, you're basically stripping them of the opportunity to live their dream and and and, and be great at what they want to do. And so when I saw that the the rule was uh, taken away a couple of days ago. I was like, okay, well, 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 if that was the case, then what was the point of start, starting the rule in the first place? Like, right. it, it, it didn't make sense to me. Like, why was it even implemented uh, to start to start off? I mean, yes, it, it definitely looks racist. It definitely looks it looks racist. It looks like it was some some racial racial epithets behind this, and um, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I I, I didn't understand it, and I'm I'm glad they took it away. But uh, it does strike the conversation of why was it even started in the first place? If a week later, a week and a half later or so. It was going to be taken away. Definitely there. I think Chris Bussard came up with a, a column talking about some of these um, journalists now that come from top schools uh, and PWIs to kind of switch now and start going to uh, HBCU institutions. Yes. At least that way, you know, they'll be recognized and known uh, for what they do because it, it seemed that it was racially moved. This was a, a, a move that uh, this was a decision that was racially moved. And so it had me thinking, I'm like, why would they do this now? Yeah. And so, you know, what's crazy, Mike, what? you know, I, I've always said this it is like, sometimes, you know, school could be a curse. You know, it's a great thing to have an education. It's a great thing to go to school. It's great to have that because, you know, if you want to have, um, you know, knowledge is power. And on top of that, if you want to live substantially, you got to have some sort of credential and going to school gives you that. But people tend to forget it's not always about the school or the degree that you got. It's, sometimes it's about the connections. It's about everybody has their own journey. And so if Rich Paul, one of the most notable agents in the National Basketball Association, I mean, this guy's track record is un unprecedented. He's got guys like LeBron James, Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis, Tristan Thompson, uh, Caldwell, Pope, Draymond Green, Eric Bledsoe, all of these yep. guys that he's that he's got under his belt as their agents, uh, uh, Montrez Harold to to name some others, and all of a sudden because this guy didn't go to college, you're gonna ridicule him for not for the ridicule guys like him who wants to take the route of putting themselves out there, you know, networking, continue to grind like that. You're gonna penalize people like that, and I think that that's just racially move it's uncalled for and the NCAA doesn't have any business for that who are you to say 
that look, we all get it. Us coming up from the slums, there's a lot of people that don't have it. And so there's other ways and other journeys people have the way to get to the mountaintop. And so you don't know what these parents' pockets are. You, you don't know what they're dealing with. And so a guy like Rich Paul, who had to sacrifice a lot to get where he's at, it's just, it, it's a bad look for the NCAA to do that. There was one of the panelists on the jump this weekend. He had something interesting to say about how clownish this move was, Mike, uh, for the NCAA to do. Let's take a listen to it. Yeah, I mean, that was what I was going to say to Dave's point. This is just an example of the NCAA just looking like a complete clown show yet again, right, just for the umpteenth time. I mean, this whole thing is about guys who are testing the waters and they want to come back to school. Right. So what, if some guy who's going to come back to college and make a college team better talks to Rich Paul on the phone once, they're going to say, oh, yeah, you're not allowed to come back to college. Are you kidding me? No, they're not going to do that. I mean, this whole thing was nonsense from the beginning. So they just created this entire controversy, made themselves look stupid, and for what? For nothing. We had this debate. Yeah, that was one of the panelists there on the jump yesterday about the Rich Paul rule. Most notably, one of the agents, Draymond Green, getting that big contract from the Golden State Warriors. And so you, you, you see the track record. You see some of the big-time marquee players that he's got. I mean, come on now. NCAA, that, it was just nonsense, Mike. Yeah, it sure was. And I'm glad you brought up Chris Broussard because I actually got a chance to talk to him about this very topic. Um, when, I, when I met him at NABJ, and I told him I, that I was proud of him for speaking up on this because he brought up a topic and a situation that we don't hear uh, many people of his of his stature uh, with his platform speak on enough, you know, about um, uh, black black kids, black athletes, young black athletes going to HBCUs instead of choosing these PWIs because you, you, of, what you, of the power that you that you have in your hands as the athlete and what you can do for these HBCUs and, and the, the revenue that you can give them Instead of giving to these PWIs that don't get, that don't care about you, they only care about what you can do for them as far as uh, from an athletic perspective. So I, I told him I was proud of that, and he he was giving me some insight of you know of, of, of everything. And I, I agree, I agree with that with that sentiment because you know this rule makes absolutely no sense. The NCAA is just showing showing once again how they, they just want to take advantage of uh, the opportunity. They don't care about the players, they don't care about situations, they just care about what can happen for their organization right now, what can generate them the most revenue. And it's just proof, it's just like, you know, Rich Paul is a perfect example of somebody who didn't make an excuse for themselves. Obviously, he didn't get a chance to go to college, but like you said, he chose another alleyway. He chose, he found another way to, to get himself to be, becoming a top agent. And uh, it was, net, like you said, networking, making connections, learning the game. And Jalen Rose made a great point on Get Up the other day where he said, it's a difference between being educated and smart, you know, so, you know, because just because you have a college degree doesn't mean you're smarter than everybody else. And that's right. very true. I know right. so, I know a lot of people that I went to high school with that were had just as, shared just as much passion in their field as I do in sports media. They just didn't get the opportunity to go to college. That's so right. Just because they didn't get that opportunity to go to college, that, that means that they're not smarter than me or smarter than anybody else in, the, in their field and, and passionate about what they want to do. Absolutely not. It's absolutely ridiculous, and you know, uh, college is very expensive. And certain people that come up, come up from the trenches and come and come up hard, we don't, we don't have that. We're not afforded with that same opportunity. And, right. You know, to to bash somebody because they don't have an opportunity, you, should, you shouldn't degrade them because of their intelligence. You know, there's, there's certain ways to get intelligent. We can educate ourselves. We can research. We can we can read books. There's so many different ways, things that we can do. And you know, for future agents out there that want to be agents but can't afford college. And don't or even kid up for college, just don't want to go that route. Rich Paul is a great example of how you can do that, and I, I'm I'm proud of him and, and the strides that he's made. And I, he's only doing it; he's only leading the way for future agents to coming up. <clears throat> absolutely, that absolutely, Mike. And I question this judgment by the NCAA. Now I know you were at the event in, in the conference, Mike. Yeah. I'm not sure if you had a chance to talk to Grant Hill about this because what people don't know. And if the listeners are listening here, is that Grant Hill is part of that NCAA committee that yes, made this decision. So, yes, so, so one of some of the prominent people out there is Condoleezza Rice, you know, yes. most notably one of the Secretary of State of our great nation here. Grant Hill is part of that. He is also um, 1992 Final Four champion with Duke, yes. but also a retired Naismith Hall of Fame. And so he was in that committee as well as well as Patrick Ewing. So there were uh, uh, blacks, per se, in this committee. So my, cons my, my question is this, Mike. If, if this was 
you know, we're not we're not trying to <laughs> put uh, a, you know a racial aside here or aggression aside here, but if if all uh, this was this was a decision that was made by blacks uh, about this, I'm confused. You should uh, this has to be alarming to you because why would Grant Hill, uh, one of the more prominent basketball icons in the college game as well as the NBA game, in a committee like this, agree and approve to something like this? I have I have no idea, and I actually didn't get a chance to talk to Grant Hill about this situation because uh, he had to run. He was very busy. By the time I got a chance to get a one on one with him, um, but I didn't get a chance to ask him about this question. But it, it sparks up a great question because you're absolutely right. But I think one of the biggest biggest keys about it is no matter the color of your skin, if you didn't grow up in that environment and you and you didn't come up a certain way, it's hard for you to fabricate or understand where somebody else like a Rich Paul who came up hard will, will, will be coming from because, you know, even though we have the color on our skin, it's a, it's a lot of us that grew up in the suburbs and grew up in the, with a very fancy lifestyle and that they they, they just can't relate, you know, i.e. going going to a Duke University, you know, th- things of that nature, you know, a very prestigious uh, a PWI school. You know, some, some, some people just can't relate to how, how where we come from and how hard it can be no matter the color of our, if, even if they are the color of our skin, because they didn't grow up in that environment. And I, I think it's hard. I think it's really hard to say whether or not Grant Hill, Grant Hill was, um, was on board with this. I think he possibly was, but at the same time, uh, I, I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass judgment on that because I don't know. I didn't get a chance to speak with, speak with him, but I can see if he was on board with this, I can see where he's coming from because if he didn't grow up that way, and then it's hard for him to relate or understand where. Right, it's all about be. culture, Mike. Yes, it's it all is. about the culture. If he didn't grow yep. up in that t- in that type of culture in that type of environment, then he it's it's so hard to relate, no matter what color you are. That's right. That's right. Indeed. So, <clears throat> indeed. So, there. It just had me thinking, Mike. I mean, if if you're a student, you, you just come out of high school, uh, and you just want to get on the working field, you want to get into a, a franchise, you want to start being a student. Whereas yep. just getting your your foot in the door, and then all of a sudden start networking and then all of a sudden you need general managers to head coaches to players and then you get a position to be one of the coaching staffs on a NBA team and learn from one of these coaches and then after that walk around you know shadow some of these agents and you're telling me if a guy goes that route and and has the opportunity to get and to network and to pre- represent athletes and players they can't do that uh it, it just had me thinking it's it's it just had me thinking and actually this had me thinking as well because of the power that rich paul has and some of these other major panelists on the networks of fox sports and espn aren't actually going towards the NCAA and bringing this down right, right? right. and and this is something that i, I think that they would would do right not not us proposing it to them but this is actually something they would use their platform and their power to actually go ahead and strike and go ahead and propose and make protests that hey this is uncalled for this is an equal fairness to others that don't have the opportunity to go to a pwi doesn't have the opportunity to go to a hbcu don't have the money, the allocations and the funds to go to college or to university to get that type of education, whereas they go and take the other route. And so uh, that's interesting to me, Mike, that, you know, some of these guys with power and with their platforms that they're not taking that route. Yeah, they're not, and I, that's why I applauded Chris Broussard and I wanted to let him know that I appreciate where he was coming from. And I, I'm glad he sparked that conversation because that's a conversation that privately, uh, not privately, but just not on national TV, I've had with a lot of people in college uh, uh, c- coming up, you know, things just think about the power of HBCUs, the power of us as athletes, you know, what we could do if we were to come together and and, and, and take a stand with this. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad he was able to speak his mind and speak out about it, uh, um, you know, but uh, you're absolutely right. I, I, I was a little surprised to see that that it was it was very few people coming out and using their platforms and, you know, sparking this conversation. But maybe that's because they agree with the rule. You know, maybe that's because either they agree with the rule or they don't want to say anything to jeopardize the, the, the position that they're in right now. You know, so it's, it's a lot of things that could possibly hinder somebody from speaking out on a situation like this because it is a touchy subject. Um, but at the same time, if, if, you, if it's something that you feel in your heart, 
I don't feel like it's something you should hold back on. I feel like it's something that, you know, you should stand firm on uh, and, and speak your mind on because, yes, it's a touchy subject, but it's a subject that needs to be had. Definitely there. If Jackie Robinson, Hank Aaron, uh, <coughs> Henry Aaron, Henry, Henry, Hank Aaron, of course, uh, we're playing uh, and we're living at this time, Malcolm X and some of the great black icons yep. were still living. They would look to the eyes of LeBron James, look to the eyes of Cam Mutants, uh, Colin Kaepernick, the eyes of Draymond Green, some of our most prominent black athletes to take a stand about this because they would look at that. And, and Lonzo Ball, I, we all, we've all seen the tap that he had. Rosa Parks on one side, yes. uh, Harriet Tubman yes. down fouls. We, I, I'm, I'm calling out some of our black athletes. Yes. I'm calling. Got a vocal. Who's a vocal leader as an activist? LeBron James, maybe universally recognized as maybe the greatest icon basketball ever, and that's surpassing Michael Jordan. Using your platform yeah. too, of course, you being buddies with Rich Paul has a familiarity as well, Draymond Green as well, using their platforms to go along this. And this is definitely a story that we're going to keep our close eye on because the NCAA <laughs> has gone nuts thus far. Mm -hmm. For myself and Michael Gray in the SEBI podcast, show, we want to say so long from now inside the studios of WNSC. Let's go. Hey, hello, everybody. How you feeling tonight? You know what we about to do. We on that namaste, yeah, yeah, ride, pride, and honor. And you know where I'm recording that, right? Boss of engineer dash. It's been a great, great week, and I want to say thank you guys so much for following me around the Orlando community. I've done the Issa shoot. I've done the Hippie Hideout. I've been at Members Only, and you know where I've been this whole time, just hiding in the library with Jaden Visionary. I just have to say I thank you guys so much for tuning in with us, and keep, keep, keep popping for the community. Hey, y'all! You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go, and that is the slogan.